Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We post a Bible study on podcast through the internet every Wednesday evening. It is posted at 6.30 each evening on Wednesday, and that's for those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, we know even in the Omaha area, there are people who want to be in Bible study. They want to be in God's Word, but they are not necessarily able to be with us in person for various reasons, sometimes health reasons, physical handicaps, work schedules, whatever the case might be. But we know there are also people who are in other parts of the country and literally around the world who listen to our Bible studies in various formats through the internet by means of these podcasts. And so they want to, they want to study God's word. They want to learn more about what the scriptures really say. They want to learn the Bible in a deeper fashion. We're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful for that. Now, if you happen to be in the Omaha area, we do hope you'll come and check us out in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Get to know us, let us get to know you, study God's Word with us, worship God with us, grow spiritually with us, at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Our Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. And then on Wednesday evenings, Again, each Wednesday evening at 6.30, we come back together for midweek Bible classes. You're welcome to any and all of these services. We hope you can come by, check us out, get to know us, let us get to know you in person. Now, for those listening in other parts of the country and around the world, and for those in the Omaha area who cannot be with us physically, we're thankful again to be able to be with you through means of these podcast Bible studies. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody grow in their faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. You may help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. What a great blessing for them, but also a great blessing for you. Now, we also encourage you to tell everybody to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is free, always will be free. We don't charge people to teach God's word. We wanna help as many people as we can get to heaven. Now, when they do that, when they sign up for a podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer or whatever other smart device they choose, they will receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures. And they'll also receive a seven-day-a-week short Bible class, only about 13 minutes each day, but it keeps us in God's Word, helps keep us growing in our faith and our knowledge of His Word, and that's called today's Bible class. Again, all of that will automatically go to their smart device, 
and it will always be free. So tell everybody you can and take advantage of it yourself. We're going to continue in our study from 1 John, and we're at chapter 5 and verse 10. I I want us to go back to verse 7, and for the sake of continuity here, and here John the Apostle writes this, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And we talked about that, how it's difficult for us to really fully wrap our minds around and, and understand in a deep way how God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and yet just one God. And we've used different kinds of illustrations, like you've got an apple with a peel, and you've got an apple with the meat of the apple, and then you've got the core with the seeds and so on, and yet it's one apple. We refer to it as an apple. We talk about an egg with a shell and then a yolk and a white, and we call it an egg. Well, those really are trite comparisons to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but maybe it helps us get a, you know, a, a basic understanding of, of three, but just one. God the Father, God the, the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And there were three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given, has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Well, that says a mouthful, (laughs) probably several mouthfuls. Uh, But let's zero in on verses 9 through 11 there. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. And he who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. We could go into an extremely lengthy analysis of those three verses of Scripture, verses 9, 10, and 11. We could talk about how Jesus himself said during his public ministry on this earth, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and verse 16. Perhaps the most often quoted verse of Scripture in the entire Bible. We could talk about the parallel to that written by the Apostle Paul by guidance from God, by inspiration, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, where he said, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then he goes on in verse, in verse uh, 10, and he says, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, that is brought back into a right relationship to God through the death of his son. 
And then he says in verse 11, not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Now we, in an earlier part of this study in 1 John, in chapter 4 and verse 9, we read, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation or substitutes substitute for our sins. Jesus died on that cross f- to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Now, that we've talked about that over and over and over and over again. The Hebrews writer, you know, spoke of it several times in that particular letter. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, that he might, uh, for the suffering of death, crown with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone, for everyone. He talks about that in different detail in chapter 7 and verse 27, where we read, who does not need, speaking of Jesus, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. And then also in chapter 9 and verse 28, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, to bear the sins of many, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. Chapter 10 and verse 10, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Over and over again, and we could go on looking at other texts of scripture that talk about this, but we see the parallel to what John is bringing out in 1 John chapter 5 and verses 9 through 11. We receive the witness of men. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. And this is parallel also to the gospel account, according to John. When we go back to John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus came into this world as the Son of God. He is God the Son. But he came and and proclaimed himself, identified himself by that identity, the Son of God, but also by the identity of the Savior. Again, in Matthew chapter 1, when the angel told Joseph that his wife-to-be would bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, 
the angel told Joseph. And that name, Jesus, literally means Savior. Jesus came as the Savior of mankind. In fact, the angel went on and told Joseph, uh, he shall save his people from their sins. So this is what John is talking about basically in 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. But now, see, we need to come to an understanding that our part is to believe with all of our heart. God did his part by sending Jesus into this world as the Savior and as the substitute or perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, to be sin for us. In other words, to have the guilt of our sins born on him as he hung on that cross, and that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Only through Jesus, as our Savior, as we come to him. What what is John emphasizing here in verses 9 through 11? We need to believe in Jesus as God's Son and as our Savior. But that belief is not just an intellectual understanding and agreement. It's a, it's a belief that's put into practice through obedience, through dedication, through commitment on an ongoing basis. We are to become Christians, followers, disciples of Christ. More literally, that name Christian means Christ one. We are to be truly followers of Jesus Christ in the lifestyle that we live, and that is going to exhibit our true faith in in God and in Christ as the Son of God, God the Son, and our Lord and Savior. Well, it's important that we understand that, and that there is no way to God except through Jesus. Jesus said that in the night of his betrayal in John 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said there's no way to God except through him. Now, I know there are, there are religious belief systems out there that, that claim to believe in God, but they do not believe in Jesus as being God the Son, and they don't believe in Jesus as being the Savior of mankind. So those and those would include those of the Jewish persuasion which have rejected Jesus as the Savior, the Muslims, the Hindus, and so on, who would reject Jesus as being the Savior even though they say they believe in God. Well, see, they cannot get to God except through Jesus, except through Jesus. That's fundamental to our salvation. He is our Savior, our only Savior. And Jesus said, there's no way to God except through him. Again, John 14 and verse 6. Now, John is going to go in his next letter, and these five chapters in 1 John are, are short, but the next one is only one chapter long, and it's a short chapter, only 13 verses. In verse 9, John says in 2 John verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, 
does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So we might say it's a package deal. If you want to follow God, you're going to have to come to him through Jesus. You're going to have to follow Jesus. You're going to have to follow the message of the gospel that Jesus brought into this world from God the Father. You're going to have to become a Christian, live that Christian life. The New Testament is full of that message. It's consistent and continual throughout all of those books of the New Testament. Through Jesus is the only way to God. As we're baptized into Christ, Romans 6 and verse 3, Galatians 3 and verse 27, the blood that is shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. Ananias told Saul of Tarsus, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And at that point, as Jesus told Nicodemus, a man must be born of water and the Spirit. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, we're reborn. We're born again, spiritually. And as the Apostle Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, we're made new from a spiritual perspective. We have been given a do-over, a new start, not just on physical life, but on eternal life. What a blessing from God. How blessed we are that he sent Jesus, his son, into this world to be our Savior. Now, I want to look a little bit deeper into uh, the witness that, that uh, John writes about. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. You know, we have a, a whole lot of people out there who teach supposedly from the Bible, but a whole lot of what they teach is error. It's not in accord with what the scriptures really teach. And so those are referred to as false teachers. And they're warned against repeatedly through the New Testament scriptures. We need to know what the, what the scriptures really say so that we can recognize the error that some false teachers try to teach us. What is the true witness? How can we be sure? How can we know that we are walking right before God? I want us to go back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And here the apostle Paul wrote, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, the spirit, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit 
that we are children of God, the Spirit himself being God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness, witness with our spirit. What are we talking about? Well, that spiritual being that God has instilled in us by virtue of creating us in his image. We can kind of boil it down and say a soul, our soul. How does, how does the Spirit of God, how does the Holy Spirit bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God? How can we understand that? Well, how does the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speak to us today? When we go back to Peter's writings, and I want us to look at Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, Peter wrote this, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Moved by the Holy Spirit. Interesting. So when we read God's Word, now the Apostle Paul says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we talked many times about how that means, boiled down, all Scripture is God-breathed, most literally, from the Greek. What is the sense of that? All Scripture is God's very Word. How did those writers who were chosen by God to be the penman to write his very word in Scripture, in the Bible, how did they get it right? How did they write God's very word? How did they know what to write? Peter informs us here in 2 Peter 1 and verse 20. And verse 21, they were guided by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote to get it correct, to make sure they were writing God's very word. So when we read the scriptures, when we read the Bible, we can have confidence that we are, are reading God's very word. Now, how does that to apply to what John wrote in chapter 5 and verses 9 through 11? Well, again, what did he say there? He who believes in the Son has the witness in himself, verse 10. And he who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given his Son. Now, going back to verse 9, the witness of men, men can teach us anything. And a lot of times what they teach us is false but the witness of God is greater. The witness of God is greater. How do we get the witness of God? What did the Apostle Paul write back there in Romans chapter 8? The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us through the Word so that we can have confidence in our spiritual being, our spiritual understanding, to know 
that as we are faithfully living by and making the accurate, accurate applications of what God's Word teaches, then we can know that we're walking with God, that we're really being faithful to Him, that we're following Him His way through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. As we read the Scriptures and we obey those teachings and live by them, and then as we examine our life in the mirror of those teachings, God's Word, the Bible, then we can say, yep, I'm living by those teachings. I'm living by those teachings. The writers who wrote down those teachings were guided by the Holy Spirit to get it right, to write God's very word, and I'm checking my life against those scriptures, against those teachings, against God's word. I'm living by those. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am living by God's very teachings, his very word, and I can have confidence that I'm one of his children, saved through Jesus Christ. The Bible, uh, it gives its own proof texts. It gives its own standard of examination. It declares itself openly, repeatedly, to be God's very word and then tells us how to check, to have confidence that it truly is, that we can truly believe that it is God's very word. How powerful and how reassuring for us. We can have confidence in everything that it says. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time and Father, we not only thank you for your word, but we praise you for it. Thank you for giving it to us, to guide us along the pathway all the way to heaven through this life, all the way to eternal life with you. And thank you, Father, for giving us the assurance and the reassurance through your word that we can have absolute confidence that it truly is your word, your truth, and we can examine our life against that mirror, the mirror of your word, and have confidence that we're living by your will. Praise be to you, Father. Praise be to you. Thank you. Please forgive us, gracious Father, for our failings. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.